Ready? Absolutely. Here we go. You're listening to Learning Transforms from the Faculty of Education at the University of Victoria. I'm Ted Rieken. And I'm Courtney Baldwin. And we're coming to you from the unceded territories of the Lekwungen-speaking people and the Wasanish people. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the show. show. So, so, Courtney, what are we talking about today? So today we are talking to Donna McGee Richmond, and she is talking about inclusive education. And when I first heard that we were doing this podcast... I found that I was a little unsure, um, and I imagine a lot of our listeners are, because back in my day, I'm in my 30s, um, and with the understanding that I'm talking about this because it's important for us to know where we've been, to know where we need to go, when I was a kid, um, we had kids, and we called them special needs, and they were relegated to a bungalow that was outside of my junior high, and so we would sometimes have classes with them. I think normally it was like phys ed, uh, and there was probably one other, um, but most of the time, like that was not something that I dealt with. And so now, um, Donna is in a, the next evolution of what that means, because I think for me, it felt a little exclusionary, right? What it, there was no term like inclusive. It was just, they had special needs. They, therefore they were, you know, moved out of what was now considered the norm. Um, and that was my experience. I think you make a good point that it, it it's shifting, it's changing. We use different terms in different times. When I was a teacher, we used to call it learning assistance. Mm-hmm. And we don't talk about special education so much anymore. We talk about inclusive education. And because of that, the sort of shifting paradigm, it's uh, it's confusing. So let's have a listen to uh, what Donna has to say, and maybe we can learn about where we're at at this point in time. Perfect. Today, we're talking about inclusive education with Donna McGee-Richmond, and Donna is an associate professor in the Department of Educational Psychology and Leadership Studies. Donna, welcome. Thank you. So uh, maybe the best way for us to start is, is to ask you, how do you define inclusive education? Oh, that's, a, that's actually a really simple answer to that. Inclusive education really means that we welcome diversity in the classroom. And when I'm looking, when I'm talking about diversity, I mean diversity of of all sorts in terms of ability, in terms of culture, in terms of language, in terms of just, you know, all elements of diversity that you can imagine. The diversity that we see in our communities really should be represented in our classrooms and in our schools. So I look at that as inclusive education. We were talking earlier, and um, one of the things that you said that stuck in my mind was that when we talk about diversity and inclusivity, we're, we're focused on the kids. But we can't forget about the teachers as that's well. Right. Yeah. And I think what you were pointing to there was the fact that that's a, 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 it's a noble ideal, but how do we prepare people to do it and, and do it well? How do we prepare teachers yeah. to support inclusion in their classrooms and, and do that well? I think it begins certainly in our teacher education programs so that diversity is part of every course. So if you're teaching science or if you're teaching social studies or mathematics, um, diversity, how to support diverse learners within those curriculum areas is also included in those particular courses. In addition to having separate courses, around um, students with special needs that are very specific on students with special needs. 
And then I think it's also recognizing that teacher education doesn't just end at the end of your teacher education program. And once you, I mean, really your teacher education is in some ways is just beginning once you get into your classroom and your school and, and you begin teaching, that it is an ongoing process. Um, having mentors in those, in those schools is really, really important. And then ongoing teacher education preparation for diversity is, uh, is also really important. Yeah, and when we're talking about that, I can, I'm thinking a lot about um, some of the people that I go to school with who are teachers and some of my own experiences working with kids who have different needs um, and special needs. And I think part of it, too, when I think about it is as well as you can be prepared as an individual to go into a classroom and to work with a diverse group of people, there are instances where there's not enough of you exactly. to go yeah. around. Yeah. And so I think if we're talking about this, it's important to talk about that aspect too of the support system that's needed with the teachers yes. because there's not enough, especially like some of the kids that I've interacted with need uh, an almost one-on-one -on -one type of mentor in the classroom in addition to the teacher to be able to engage in a way that's beneficial for everyone. Mm -hmm. Certainly there are some students that have more complex needs that perhaps do need one-on-one one -on -one, um, supports in the regular education classroom. If we're looking at having diversity of needs in the classroom, then that very much is a team approach. So the teacher going into the classroom and closing the door and saying, well, this is my classroom and, you know, this is all we need, need in this classroom. It, those days are gone. Mm. When, when we, and not that they were ever were, <laughs> positive um, ways of, of being a teacher. Um, today, we really do need to have diverse, uh, a diversity of professionals providing supports to the teacher. And the teacher is just one part of that team um, in the classroom. And it sounds like then, in order to look at a classroom that's about inclusivity and diversity, we have to, in some ways, think about new and different ways of knowing how education works and how that classroom quote, should look. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, classrooms today look very different than they used to. Um, and so, you know, even students with really complex needs are being taught within the regular classroom in school. And that's not to say that they're not, that they don't get pulled out for specialized supports and services, but more and more those supports and services are being offered in the classroom. And that provides an opportunity for the teacher, actually, and, and the other adults who are in the classroom to see how that those supports and services are being delivered to those kids so that, you know, it, it's no longer a secret as to, you know, what the specialized uh, resource folks are doing um, in terms of instruction. And then... And, but then also those specialized support services, the resource teachers can then see how the regular education teacher is teaching the kinds of materials that are being used, the approaches that are being used, um, the learning strategies, the activities, and then they can use that as a way of, of planning. And they, they have, planning can actually take place together. That is the ideal. Mm. So Donna, when, when you're planning together with a team of professionals, there's this um, approach called universal design for learning. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and how that might be utilized by the team? Yeah, universal design for learning is really a way of approaching 
the planning in a, in a classroom um, so that all students can be engaged and can express um, and, and, and the learning itself is being represented in multiple ways as well. So it is a way of, of a teacher thinking about, well, you know, I've got all of this diversity in my classroom, all of these different needs of the students. How can I possibly meet all of their individual needs? Well, universal design for learning provides that, that way of thinking about, you know, how to represent the materials in the classroom in multiple ways. So you've got visuals, you've got You've got um, audio, you've got photos, you've got text, you've got all different ways, you've got concrete material. So you have all the different ways of representing um, the what is being learned. And then you're providing opportunity for students to also engage in different ways. So, you know, you, you could be doing a, a topic on, a social studies topic on pioneers, for example, and you've got audiobooks, you've got visuals, you've got, you know, puppets, you've got, um, you, you know, you've got YouTube videos, you've all, all different ways of representing what it, the concepts that are being taught within that within that um, unit. And then you also have multiple ways of the students to become engaged and, and to demonstrate their learning, to express what it is that they've learned. So you provide them with choices around, um, you know, deciding whether or not they want to uh, create their own videos around what they've learned in um in that unit, or, you know, some students might want to do a book report. Some students may want to write a book. Um, some students may want to represent what they've learned using comic strips. So it's, it's providing them, it's allowing them to be creative in expressing how they've learned. And, and by doing that, you're also giving them that opportunity to, to tap into what's really strong for them and their preferences with respect to, to expressing what it is that they've learned. And by doing that in a cohesive community, like being in yes. the place where they are, right? Yes. Yeah. And in their communities and in a diverse, inclusive classroom, it also makes me think that in some ways that could also help the stigma that follows with special needs. Because there's sometimes, and I remember when I was younger in junior high, there was a special needs um section of my junior yes, high but yeah. it was at it was at the out like the outbuilding yes. that was not in regular school and so I, we still hung out with those kids um but there was often this type of othering that happened absolutely and yeah. so i it just makes me think when you're talking about this that if this all happened in the same place with everyone in there then that othering wouldn't be there no it wouldn't the be othering, present no it would not be there what you are um, what you are minimizing is a stigma, right? I mean, we look at we look at diversity and we look at at difference, but really, it's it's variability in how people engage in learning. Um, you know, the strengths and the needs that they bring to the learning situation, and um, by having a range of students in your classroom, you are providing opportunity for everybody, all the students and the adults in the classroom to, to continue to learn about variability and to adjust their practices to support that variability. And by doing that, you are providing opportunity to continue to learn and to professionally develop within your classroom every day. What, what's the um, <clears throat> kind of the intersection, if that's the right word, between inclusive education and 
diversity in education. And, and what I'm thinking of is when we talk about inclusive education and special needs, it's a, from an academic and a learning perspective. But there's also the perspective that says diversity is about cultural differences. Mm -hmm. It's about gender and your orientation to it. It's about uh, racial and ethnic diversity. So how do those two come together in a conception of inclusive education, because that needs to be inclusive as Absolutely, well. Absolutely, yeah. I think by by looking at inclusive education much more broadly than just students with special needs, it is opening up those conversations and it's opening up the understanding that all diversity needs to be included in the regular education classroom and school. And I think we're moving towards that to a greater degree and a little bit faster than we have in the past. And perhaps as a result of all of the other diversities. Yeah, and thinking about, as we're having this conversation, I'm thinking about a lot of the conversations that I've had with my friends who are parents, right? Because this is also, when we think and we're talking about this, it's important I think, to think about the parents' perspectives. Because some parents, like your child is the most important thing in the world to course, you, right? Yeah. And so I think some parents and some of my friends, um, when there are more diverse or inclusive classrooms, um, are a little bit scared that their children who don't have, uh, who necessarily aren't impacted, right, who have a standard way of learning, or standard isn't the right word, who have a... Um, they are okay with a traditional form of learning and they're able to learn that way. Um, sometimes feel like their child will lose out or will miss something because of the inclusivity and the diversity of the mm -hmm. classroom. And what we kept on going around to when we were talking about that is that, yes, the curriculum is absolutely important and what we teach children is important. And the softer skills, um, like learning to be in community, learning to accept one another for where we are, learning to work together, regardless of what's going on with us, because we're all different and we're all unique, is as equally important and in some ways more important than the curriculum that they're necessarily mm -hmm. going to mm -hmm. learn. And it's a very, very, um, it's a very tricky balance, I think, for teachers and for the teachers and the support systems to be able to figure that yes, out. Yeah. But I think that's where a lot of the resistance comes from is not necessarily because people don't want to be inclusive or they don't want diversity, is because they're scared that their child is going to miss out or it'll cost that child something because of the inclusivity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think... Um, Certainly, if I had a child with special needs, I would want to ensure that their needs were being met within a regular education classroom. That's for sure. So definitely the resources need to be there. Um, I think the other thing that's making a difference, certainly here in British Columbia, is we now have personalized learning curriculum. And I think that frees up that provide, not freeze up, not the right word, but, but it's certainly a much more open-ended curriculum that provides teachers with that, with more sort of leeway, more kind of freedom to, to interpret that curriculum and to um, present it in ways that will engage all students in the classroom at their particular levels at any given point in time. So, so I know that that's, 
that is making a difference. We've talked to teachers and they've, it, it's, it's been a struggle, but it's also a way of thinking about curriculum. It's not this rigid, mm-hmm. you know, this needs to be taught in this lockstep method, right? It's much more open-ended mm-hmm. and much more open to interpretation and, and thinking about, well, how, how can each of these students in the classroom engage with this particular topic? What are the various ways? And that's where universal design for learning really works very nicely with the personalized learning curriculum. And it's, yeah, and it's a lot more integrated. So, you know, you may be focusing on, I keep saying pioneers, I don't know why I say pioneers, but you can focus on pioneers in social studies, but you can bring in math concepts, you can bring in science concepts, you can bring in, you know, the literacy So Donna, do you think that the teachers who are working really hard to try to diversify and make their classrooms more inclusive, do you feel like they're being supported at this point? Um, It's getting better for teachers. I would say certainly here in in BC, it's it's getting better. And I I would say actually across Canada, it is a, a process. So when we look across Canada, at the um, at the policies around inclusive education, they have become a lot more open. So I would say every province and territory within Canada has ministry policies that support inclusive education. So as we are seeing that happen, we are seeing more inclusive education classroom. And with that, um, we are seeing the resource supports that need to be in those classrooms are being provided. Class sizes here in BC are coming down, particularly at the elementary level. Um, and the resource supports, the resource support models are changing. So it used to be, and, and still is to a certain extent, that students with special needs would be pulled out of the classroom, provided with resource support, and then back they go to the classroom, which was, you know, not necessarily the best scenario for those kids, you know, being pulled out of the classroom. Hey, look at me, I get to be, I'm being taken out of the classroom. And then, going back into the classroom and then having missed something, mm-hmm. whether it was, you know, the subject or whether it was news of the day or or, or whatever. Um, more and more resource support teachers are spending time in the classroom, so working with those kids within the regular education classroom. And that is also providing them with an opportunity to work with kids who may not be formally identified as having a special need, so they can then provide supports to them as well and work with those kids in groups. So it's a real mix, and it really, and it, and it really varies in from school to school, from district to district, um, and even from classroom to classroom within schools. We see a wide variation. Yeah, and you were mentioning too that there are a couple of different um, programs that you run where you get yes. that consistent feedback from your te- from the people who are yes. being through those programs. Absolutely. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. So we have a for the last ten years we have been running a special education certificate and diploma program. Um, and we have teachers basically from all over the world, but primarily British Columbia and uh, primarily, you know, other regions of Canada as well. So these are teachers who can continue their education 
Um, it's an online program, so it's so it it's accessible to them. They can t- continue working and 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 learn at the same time. Um, it's a cohort model, so we have an intake of teachers every September, and they go through the program as a cohort. And we typically have about sixty teachers, so we run a couple of cohorts of it. Um, and what we have found over the years is that those teachers form strong bonds with each other, really, really strong connections. It provides them with an opportunity to learn from each other's practice, um, to grapple with a lot of the same issues because they are grappling with the same issues. And um, as I said, to develop really strong connections um, with each other. And, and those connections last throughout certainly throughout the program, um, but into, you know, the, the rest of their practice, really. They learn about the practices that each one of them are doing within their particular regions, um, and uh, they share resources, they ask similar questions, and it also provides us as instructors an opportunity to learn more about what's going on in the field, and we can then tailor our instruction to, to better support them. We have teachers who are first year teachers out of their, you know, they've just graduated and they're on those long term occasional, you know, lists and and are doing their, their, um, their teaching waiting to get that permanent contract, all the way to teachers who have been teaching for 30 years. So it's a real diversity of, of teachers who who undertake this program. Donna, for someone who's listening, and they aren't enrolled in the program, but they're still wanting to make a change. They're, they're looking at how might they make their own classroom or their own practice more inclusive. What are two or three things that you'd suggest people might do? Uh, reach out for help would be one of them. Um, talk to colleagues about their experiences. And um, don't be afraid to, to reach out for help, to say, I don't know. Gosh, I've never had a student like this in my classroom before. I have, nowhere to, I have no idea where to start. Uh, don't be afraid to ask those questions of, of their own colleagues. Reach out to others in other schools as well. Um, I would also say reflect on your practices. Spend some time observing in your classroom and really intentional obser- observing of... Uh, you know, a lesson that's been taught, but then also, you know, how are the students engaging in this? What are they really doing? Are they, you know, are they, um, are they really getting it? Or how, you know, what does engagement look like in my classroom? So do that observation. Um, what would be another one? Uh, well, what I heard was connect with your colleagues, connect yes, with your, yeah. your fellow teachers, yeah, and yeah. then Connect with the students as well. Connect with the students, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. no, for sure. Yeah, and I think it applies, you know, I will always be the adult educator at the table, but I think that applies no matter what you're doing. If you're in any type of facilitation role or you're in any type of role where you're working with a group of people who are diverse and inclusive, I think it's really important to remember that, like, there are no, this is not an always an easy thing and there are going to be challenges and you're not going to know the, quote, right way to do it. And I think the best thing to do is to be able to talk about it with people um, and try to see what other people are doing and trying to figure out a way to do it. And it's a stumbling through process sometimes, but there are a lot of resources is what I'm hearing out there that can help and aid in that process so that you don't feel like you're 
groping around in the dark trying to figure out how to do this when your intent is there there's some resources maybe that's something that we can put in the bottom of the podcast under all the details just to give people a few little tips and tricks absolutely yeah yeah no there are resources out there and that that education doesn't end once you get your degree (laughs) in many ways it's just beginning Right. And it's an ongoing process. It's a lifetime process, really. It's it's certainly a career process, that ongoing learning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Donna, thanks so much for coming in and spending time with us and Mm -hmm. uh, shining some light on inclusion and diversity and and what it all means. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Learning Transforms is brought to you by the Faculty of Education and the Association of Graduate Education Students. Learning Transforms is produced by Julie Remy. Sound design is by Xavier Arujo. Special thanks to Donna McGee-Richmond. I'm Ted Rican. And I'm Courtney Baldwin. Thanks for listening.